Well, here we are on the fourth and final Sunday of Advent. This year, it falls particularly close to Christmas. We've only got two days now before Christmas is here. And uh, as a result, many of our family members have left already for Christmas. And so thank you to those of you that have remained in the 48214 for Christmas. Uh, I had many people come up to me and say, Uh, Don't worry, Eric, I will listen to the sermon online uh, since I will be gone. So this is kind of a unique feeling. Leon, make sure to hit that record button. We'll put this sermon up online for the crew. And um, I feel like we're a megachurch or something. No. Um, Family, join with me as we we pray, and we're going to jump into this topic of peace. The fourth Sunday, we celebrate peace. Lord, we bow before you. We thank you for uh, this gift of peace. And we pray, I pray, Father, that this morning we would have a better understanding of what that peace is, um, how you give it, and how we are to experience it. Lord, I pray that this Christmas we would uh, celebrate and remember um, Jesus coming into the world and be overwhelmed with joy and gladness. So lead us now, Father. Lead the the words that I will speak. Pray for the hearts of those that are gathered and will be listening online that we would um, learn, and it would result in worship. In Jesus' name, amen. And again, I know some of you, uh, I may have not met all of you that are visiting this morning, but some of you are wondering, why is it so dark in here? And normally, it's not on a Sunday morning. Normally, these curtains are wide open. Um, There's more lights that are on, bright. Um, But it's kind of intentional this morning. Um, We do this to remind ourselves of what it must have felt like before Jesus came into the world, that there was a a sense of darkness, maybe not literally, uh, but there was a sense of um, waiting, longing. And so we're trying to enter into that as best we know how by kind of reliving that tradition. And then Christmas Eve service will be dark as well, but then the next Sunday the lights will be back on, it'll be back to normal, and we will be uh, rejoicing um, that Jesus came. Uh, so that's, again, that's why it's a little dark in here this morning. We um, are going to be reading from a di- couple of different areas of Scripture this morning. If you guys, uh, I know it's kind of dark out there, but if you do not have a Bible and you'd like to follow along, uh, there are Bibles in the back. You can just raise your hand. And actually, I'm going to raise those lights a little bit so you guys can take notes. And so I can see you. Awesome. So if you can, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 20. Um, You can also follow along on the screen behind me if you can read it. I know it's kind of small. I apologize. So yes, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. I'm going to read the Christmas story. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world would be registered. This was the first registration when Cornelius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, 
the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news and a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on, God, on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known um, the saying, that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it has been told them. Beautiful Christmas story. We are not going to dive into all of the elements of this text. We're going to kind of focus first on verse 14, um, the one that is highlighted there. And uh, looking for my wife. Hey, Kelty, I left my glass of water right underneath that chair behind you. Would you mind bringing that down? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. And so this morning, that's what we're focusing on, peace. I don't know about you, um, but I oftentimes can look over this topic of peace and not really think about the depths of what's going on when God says that he's granting us peace. I oftentimes can just think it's, it's something that um, is a feeling or an emotion. But family, I, I really pray that we, uh, you focus, um, maybe not so much on my presentation today, but on the words that are, are said through scripture um, as we as we really try to figure out what does it mean to be a people of peace and to receive this peace. On this last Sunday of Advent, we remind ourselves of the peace that entered the world through this baby, Jesus. So again, I hope to lead us through a time of reflecting on how peace changes our lives and not just us personally, but our community as a whole. As we begin this discussion on peace, I think it's important to talk a bit about what peace is not. Biblical peace is not just a couple of hippies. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't alive in that generation, but I've heard stories. Holding up peace signs, stoned to the point where they have no worries. That's not what we're talking about, <laughs> peace. Peace is not merely an act of, or an absence of violence. This is more of an American nuance today. Peace is not just financial prosperity or security. 
Peace is not an emotion we experience from our circumstances. And that's the one we're going to camp on a little bit. It's actually bigger than this. Um, It is a peace that actually allows us to be deeply rooted when circumstances take a turn for the worse. A peace that comes only with a waking up, I'm sorry, a peace that only comes with waking up on the right side of the bed um, is not what God offers. It's much deeper than that. Many of you know and have prayed for uh, a process that Kelty and I have been in for the past um, three, four months, demolishing a house next door to us. Um, those of you that have taken on some prayer requests or have asked us, you know that this has not been an easy task. Um, <laughs> uh, it basically started in August and is still not completed. Um, we've, been un- we've been met with unhelpful city workers, uh, slow utility companies, um, unmet promises by contractors, uh, and along every step of the way, uh, people want more money to pass us to the next step. Um, it has been a difficult. It has been very difficult to say the least. But for the last two months, um, I and then my wife have been calling contractors to to excavate the remaining bricks that are in the foundation. So right now it's just a hole in the ground full of bricks. And uh, for a while I was calling, and I literally got to the point where I said, I, I can't call and, and talk rationally on the phone anymore. I'm. <laughs> I've called every day, and I continue to hear the same thing. He's coming today, and he never does. And so I said, Kelty, you, you, you're more gracious than I am. Can you start calling? And about after two weeks, uh, my wife surprised me. <laughs> she said, I don't know if I can continue to call. <laughs> and um, so I decided I got on Craigslist uh, a week and a half ago, and I, I just said, okay, I'm just going to, try whoever's on Craigslist. So far, I've been calling professionals that are um, not responding. <laughs> so I got on Craigslist, and I found a guy. He came right over and uh, offered me an acceptable price, said he would start the next beginning of the next week. <clears throat> and I was so excited. Kelty was so excited. He showed up. He unloaded his, his big tools, his dump truck, and uh, I gave him a few directions, and then I went to go work on my sermon. And I said, finally, I have peace. I'm working on my sermon. I know that this hole's being dug out. About an hour into my work at the coffee shop, I got a call from the contractor. And I thought, great. He's going to tell me that they're done already or they've made great progress. Uh, well, not, not really. He called to say that they'd filled up the first dump truck and went to empty it, and they could not find a place to empty it. The dump that he thought they could use did not take brick. And I thought, hmm, why are you telling me this? Go find another place. <laughs> That's what I'm paying you for. And unfortunately, his response was a little um, not hard. <laughs> it was not, was not that nice. It was more like, well, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And uh, I was hung up the phone and I was angry. I was angry that this contractor hadn't done his homework and hadn't figured out where to dump this brick ahead of time before he took this job. And I was angry that we were back to square one with a project that we'd been working on for months uh, to get these bricks removed. My peace that I was so enjoying at that coffee shop was destroyed. It was gone. But you see, that was a cheap peace. That was a peace that was based on circumstances. 
And family, I, I tell that story to illustrate that that's not the piece that we are diving into this morning. Um, the piece we remember this morning entered the world 2,000 years ago and is alive and well. It is a, it is a piece that um, we're going we're gonna to try to define here. I've already said that it's not an emotion based on our experience. So then you ask Eric, help us define this piece. On one side, Jesus himself, um, who ushered this peace into the world, it is he, and he actually throughout scriptures says that I am peace, um, like the one in Ephesians that Chanel read earlier. But let's, let's clarify this a little bit. The biblical definition is one of wholeness, completeness, and soundness. And it's more of a theme than a literal definition. But this peace actually changes us at the core of who we are. It brings perspective to the world um, around us. It changes our mind. It changes our heart. It unites us with God, the God of the universe, that made us and knows us. This peace allows us to rest in forgiveness and forgive others. It gives us endurance through experiences that would seek to steal our peace and even destroy us. Uh, I hesitate even to, to move to this next example because it's an emotional one. Uh, it's, a, it's a very real event that just happened um, just over a week ago. You, many of you know that uh, a gunman in Connecticut, Adam Lanza, walked into Sandy Hook Elementary with two handguns and a semi-automatic assault rifle. He went on a shooting spree that ended with 26 school staff and children that were dead. One of those lives was seven-year-old Grace, pictured here. Now, I'm a new father. Many of you know that. And uh, having a daughter of my own, every time I see this picture, it, it brings me to tears. I think about the hopes and the dreams of this young girl and her family that ended prematurely. Family, if we define peace as simply a result of our circumstances, there will never be peace in the town of Newtown, Connecticut. The circumstances of these families that lost children and loved ones, especially at Christmas time, is so extreme. How can peace ever be restored by that definition? But I have good news. This is not how we define peace as believers. The peace we celebrate this morning is a peace that goes deeper than circumstances. How do we get this kind of peace or completeness? Matthew 1.21 says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Advent peace, everyone. The Advent peace we remind ourselves of this morning is received first and foremost through having our sins forgiven. You cannot have the kind of peace we are remembering this morning apart from faith in Jesus. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5.1. This baby 
the Christ, the Son of God that we celebrate now, was God himself coming down in the, the humble form of a baby in human skin. He grew to become a man. Um, he showed us God himself. He taught us the substance of faith. Family, this morning, do you believe? Do you believe that he died for you? Do you believe that you're a sinner and your sin has a consequence? That consequence is separation from God. Or in other words, no peace. The separation doesn't fall, um, doesn't always feel like separation because of the good things that are still here in this world. Love, family, friends, possessions, holidays such as the one that is upon us, they can almost cloud um, that feeling. You can have all these things and still have no peace in your life because the most important peace is peace with God. A deep, rich peace that sustains and gives purpose to our lives, we experience Advent peace by placing our faith in Christ alone. Family, I want to continue to repeat that. We receive Advent peace by placing our faith in Christ alone. It is not Christ plus something, wealth, a spouse, a family, a job, a house, a friend, a baby. These are simply undue gifts that come after the true gift. And faith in Christ is not expressed by simply praying a prayer. It is expressed by a life that seeks to give glory to God continually. As we say often at Mac, another way to express giving glory to God is by bringing him honor and attention. That's defining that term glory a little bit more. I'm going to ask us a few questions. Ponder these as I go through these questions that get at this reality of giving God glory. Do you bow before him in reverence often? Do you seek his truths and rely on his promises? Do you bring him attention by telling others about him? Do you keep an intimate relationship where you confess sin and enjoy forgiveness? Do you embrace his grace and give it to others? Are you honest in your dealings? Are you generous with what God has given you? Are you free with your time? Do you love those in your life by putting them above your needs? These and so many other questions, family, help us to identify if we are keeping our lives set on glorifying God. Verse 14, which we've read a couple of times now, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. You see, there is a natural flow family uh, in this text. And I tried to diagram it out. But as we ascribe glory to God, so human beings, as we, we ascribe, ascribe glory to God in the ways that I just asked those questions about, we receive peace. And again, this is a peace that uh, is a supernatural peace, and it's a whole peace. It makes us whole. It's not just an emotion that comes um, because of our circumstances. 
the way this peace is experienced is that we give glory um, and we experience peace, just like I said. Now, this is not a works-based idea that I'm uh, expositing here. Rather, it is a similar concept to walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. As we submit to Christ, there is action, confessing sin, acting in faith, turning from sin, bringing bringing glory to God. The result of this walk is peace. This is why it isn't based on our circumstances. Instead, we now have the right perspective, which gives us peace in light of difficult circumstances. In the example of our house demolition project that I mentioned earlier, I had to renew my mind in that moment that God is sovereign and leading us in this process. And I quickly received peace. I know it gets messy from time to time. We are often, um, sometimes we are quick at renewing our minds, remembering God's truth, reminding ourselves that he is sovereign and loving. Other times, anger and fear uh, can take away um, that quickness and we can yield to sinful decisions or actions. But if we continually yield to the Spirit and trust Christ, he will grant peace. True, real peace can be attained um, no other way. Peace is a byproduct of walking with God. We can't create it, or good works can't bring peace. It is a gift from God that, again, comes from walking with him. How is your peace this Christmas season? Are you overwhelmed with anxiety, weighed down with bitterness, unforgiveness, fear of interactions with family members? Do you feel like you are constantly striving but not attaining? If you have confessed your sin, put your faith in Christ alone and rest in Christ this Christmas season. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, there it is again, which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Again, this is the supernatural peace that Christ grants. In addition to experiencing peace ourselves in our personal walk with the Lord, family members, peace uh, is available for this community, for us as a, as a people. And that's what we're going to focus on as we close the sermon, sermon here today. I want to read one more time uh, the sermon, that, uh, the piece of scripture that Chanel read earlier. So re- turn with me to Ephesians 2. We're going to read uh, 12 through 18. Ephesians 2, 12 through 18. Remember that you were at, uh, at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances 
that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So this is a passage, again, from Ephesians. And Paul has just previous to this section articulated the gospel very clearly. In the clearest spots in scripture, verses 1 through 10 of chapter 2. And then he continues on, almost as if this is a result of the gospel. It also brings peace to one another. Um, It actually breaks down the dividing wall. And in this passage, he was talking to Jews and Gentiles. And these were two unique people groups that did not have a lot of peace. And yet the peace of Christ connects these two people groups. It breaks down that wall. Um, and so, family, as we, as we think about how do we apply that, it does directly apply to uh, community today, even though we aren't necessarily divided into two groups, Jews and Gentiles. Uh, the, the point is the same, that it brings unity. Why? Because we all have the same peace. We all have the same position in Christ. The peace that Christ gives reaches out to our interactions with one another. Fighting, gossip, bitterness, lying, cheating, stealing, and selfishness have no place in the community filled with the peace of Christ. Yet, we often let arrogance, pride, self-centeredness creep in, and those things come with. Family, watch out lest we forget that Christ broke down the wall of hostility and gives us peace. It isn't that we should just try to think about this more. Again, I I don't want us to walk away with, if I only try harder. This hits at the core of who we are if we have now accepted Christ by faith. Before Christ, we were spiritually dead and indeed, everything was about us. Now that Christ, our peace, has saved us, we died to ourselves and are alive in Christ and anew to one another. There is a camaraderie that should form amongst this body of Christ because of this, because we are all in this together. Many of you have seen uh, the movie Remember the Titans. I know we've got some football fans in here and... um, It talks about a a small town high school football team in 1971. And the climate is in uh, a racially tense Virginia. Denzel Washington plays this uh, new coach. He comes in as a a coach replacing a white coach, Coach Yost, that had been there for some time. And the team is divided as the movie begins. The white students, the black students... um, There's just a lot of tension and nobody is getting along. And then they go to boot camp. They do some pre-season training. And I think this picture is from one such uh, training where they had run all night in the woods. They went through some hard, hard stuff together. And something amazing happens. 
uh, this team that has gone through a difficult experience together uh, begins to look past racial prejudices. Um, They are a team, they are a different team when they get back to town. People are amazed when they get off the bus and they see this team embracing one another. Um, And that camaraderie, that unity continues on through their football season and they do great things. Uh, It's a a wonderful movie if you have not seen it. But family, that's that's a picture of unity apart from Christ. That's just a kind of a picture of of worldly unity over a common hobby, football. How much more should we, as the people of God, be united in peace? We haven't just gone to a boot camp and all like each other now. (laughs) We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We've all been recipients of this gift of grace, this position of peace. And not to mention, we fight together in the 48219, the 48214. I don't even know (laughs) how I messed up our zip code. (laughs) But family, we're in this together. um, And there is still room for growth. Everyone in this room, again, is bought by the blood of Christ. And you are a new person if you've said yes to Jesus. So my question to you this morning is, do you look at each other through that lens? Or do you see the old person that still struggles with sin? This will change everything. If our grace, if our interactions are full of grace, um, we will be grace and truth. We will be an amazingly unified body of believers that have camaraderie, that work together. If our interactions are ones that we view each other as a sinful screw-up, Um, it will show. And legalism will have its day. I'm not saying that we don't be honest about sin. But family, I challenge us to be honest about sin at the very same time being extremely gracious because Christ is. To choose grace, not arrogance. This hits at the heart of what it means to have peace with one another. It doesn't mean that we just sit back and trust that something will change um, our interactions now that we all have put our faith in Christ. We have to actively treat one another as the redeemed in Christ. This really hits at the heart of Christian community. God is so serious about seeing each other through the lens of this position of peace in Christ that the scriptures say that if you're at the altar, if you're a common day, if you're worshiping Christ and you look across the room and you see a brother that you've got um, a grievance against, go and confess. We're in this together. We're a family. So where do we go from here, family? Make sure that your conversations are full of grace. It's very easy to let bitterness fester. It's very easy to say, oh man, that person hurt me months ago. Sometimes even years. Family, that is not the grace of Christ. That is not saying we've both received peace and we're now on the same team. We're in this together. And family, are we inviting people into this place of peace? 
Are we saying, come, I want you to experience this beautiful place where, yes, I still go through bad circumstances. Stuff still happens in my life. But that's not what defines me. Christ defines me. I know at the end of the day that I'm his and I don't have to worry about that as I walk with him, as I enjoy him. And that's what it means to be a whole, complete person in Christ is receiving that peace and living it out. The peace that we celebrate, that we remember this morning, entered the world 2,000 years ago in the form of a baby. We celebrate the incarnation of God in the person of Jesus Christ this Christmas. He is our peace. If you have put your faith in Christ, you are now in a state of peace with great hope of heaven and full redemption. Family, you are whole. Rejoice in that. Right now, our circumstances can again feel bigger and seek to rob our peace, but our circumstances don't affect our position. God has granted peace through Christ, and his peace isn't just between you and him, but it's between all of us. Hebrews 12, 14, I want to end on, says, strive for peace with everyone, for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord, for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Strive for peace, family of God. And again, not a cheap peace, not an imitation, where it's derived from our circumstances, but the true wholeness that Christ has brought. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we bow before you, O God. We know that this is a huge gift that we've been given. And Father, we embrace it. We love it. We want to be passionate for you because we realize that it's not something we did ourselves. That you in your mercy and grace helped us to understand the gospel. You showed us the gospel. And by your grace, we're here. Father, I pray that as we remember the baby Jesus entering this world and the scripture saying that we now have peace and that he is our peace, Lord, would we live in light of that today? Would we live different than the world around us that, is, that we would not be shaken uh, by tragic events, that we would not be shaken to the core by circumstances, but Lord, that we would be filled with you and walking by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that for this body this morning. Father, if there's people here that have not experienced that peace, Lord, I pray that you would allow them to experience your peace. That they would understand what, it, what does it mean to have a Savior who died for me and his desire is for me to put my faith in him alone. Lord, would you guide and direct this body? Would you guide and direct us that have already left for visiting Christmas family? Would you be with people as they travel even right now? Go before them, lead them, Father. Pray that you would be our king and that you would continue to bring us back to this place to fight for you, uh, fight for the gospel in this community. Lord, we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen.